everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fear Street. Today, I'm excited because I have a special interview with Naomi McDougall-Jones. She is the writer, producer, and star of the 2019 film Bite Me, and which was just released on Video On Demand uh, this month. You can find it on YouTube, Vudu, Apple TV, and Google Play currently. I want to. I wanted to come in and give a little intro to this one because... Uh, there were some technical difficulties. I am in the middle of some icy weather here in Arkansas. So I just wanted to ask for your forgiveness on that and just give you that heads up before you go into the episode. Without further ado, please enjoy Naomi McDougall-Jones. All right, everyone. Today, I'm super excited that we have Naomi McDougall-Jones with us from Bite Me. And yeah, I've been super excited to talk about the movie. But first, I have to ask this because we start this with all of our guests. Do you have a favorite scary movie? Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, I think I have to go with The Shining, which might be my favorite film full stop ever. I think it's like one of the most perfect movies ever made. It's creepy. We covered that a couple years ago. Woo! Yeah. It's one of those that sticks with you for sure. <laughs> well, and the first time I ever watched it, I was in, I was a freshman in high school and we were on a, like a school field trip. And I watched it for the first time in the hotel where The Shining was filmed, which is like a whole other level. A whole other level of <laughs> creepy. Oh my God. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to sleep. <laughs> no, no. It was quite traumatizing. <laughs> Lights must be on at all times. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, that would not work for me. <laughs> also but also spirits and like supernatural stuff that always scares me so much more than like a slasher or someone that's like just like okay. a real life person yeah, oh, yeah. go skippy okay. <laughs> agreed because they could cut they could show up at any time right and then you can't <laughs> fight a ghost like you, you can right. punch a dude in the face but you can't right. like punch a ghost <laughs> yeah i'm with you <laughs> But all right, well, let's get down and talk about this really fun movie. I really, really, really enjoyed this movie a whole lot. I'm curious, what inspired you? Because this, you all, you had many hats on this one. You, you, you wrote, you starred, and you produced. So, what inspired you to write this script? Fair question. <laughs> uh, it was it was a kind of funny confluence of events. So what, the first piece is that I love romantic comedies a lot, but like from the 80s and 90s when they were actually good movies, <laughs> now when they're like Catherine Heigl Fluffland, like what happened? Yeah. So I wanted to so I wanted to like write a a good romantic comedy for now. Mm -hmm. And then I was acting on the set of Boardwalk Empire one day and got chatting with one of the extras who revealed to me over the course of a 13-hour shoot day that she identifies as a vampire. Right. <laughs> that, that was my thing. I was like... I mean, good for her. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and so she explained to me that she's part of this actual global community of people who identify as vampires, and they don't believe they're supernatural, like in the film. They don't believe they're supernatural. They don't believe they're going to live forever, nothing like that, but they believe that they need to feed on blood or energy to stay healthy. Yeah. 
I was going to ask you if that like came from a real world thing. So, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. So I went home and I fell hard down the YouTube internet rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end, I was just like, like, this is amazing. Like not, not only for the obvious reasons, but also because I like, I, as you as they have a lot of vlogs this community as many communities do and right. so I, I became like very invested in the people themselves and sort of inspired by like the degree to which they live this truth yeah. they're like at, at the at the at very high social cost often you know like a lot of them get disowned from their families or get pushed really to the fringes of society and so i that became a really interesting thing to me of like like believing something so deeply and being brave enough to live it even in the face of that. So that was one piece. And then simultaneously I was getting audited. And one day I was sitting downstairs in the New York City uh, IRS office and I was the only non-old white accountant person there. And I was like this, and suddenly in my brain it was like, it would be really funny if a vampire was in this situation. <laughs> That is great. No, I love that. And it kind of brings me to one of my other questions because like when I was watching this, the characters that I feel like outside of the film, like the vampires who would seem like the stranger of the characters really felt normal to me. I was like, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you hundred percent. And then the character that like was like super strange to me was Faith, <laughs> James's ultra religious roommate. And so I was like, I, I'm curious if that was like an intended thing or if that's just me that I was like, that Christian is real weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, th I think probably the thing that ties together all of my filmmaking and storytelling, which happens across many different genres, like mm -hmm. I, I make a different genre film every time. But I think the thing that ties them together is that I'm always interested in how do you get people to feel empathy with someone they don't want to feel empathy with walking into the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And so that was always my goal. Like, could I get people on board with this lady who identifies as a vampire? Like, could you could you care about her and root for her and be like, yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> of course you're doing that. Um, <laughs> for you, at least, that was successful. But then it seemed impossible to to bring that to bring up this question of like conviction and living your truth without bringing up the religious counter part of that. Right. Um, and not that I don't want you to relate to the Christian side of that, but since that's the more normal mainstream cultural thing, it was like setting up those things in juxtaposition. Yeah, no, I really love that. And especially like that, that's something that I really look for in film and, and I'm a theater person. So on stage is, is really getting to empathize and see through the eyes of someone that I have like a vampire, which I have literally, <laughs> literally have no idea what that's like. But I also feel like, you know, I, I do identify as queer. So like having that kind of identity helps push in that way too. So I, I love that. I love that a whole lot. I'm curious, because we talked about the fact that you wore many hats on this project. Was there ever any like difficulty in like serving in all those different ways? Well, I love it. And this is so it's funny. I'm a filmmaker without being a director. So this is how I am a filmmaker is that I write and act and produce because that allows me to be part of every phase of the thing. Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't say difficulty. I mean, for me, the, the way I set it up is that I always have producing partners on my films. And so I am not a producer during production. 
Um, so like from a, a month before we start filming until the day after we finish filming, like unless something is on fire, I do not talk to me. <laughs> I'm in actor mode. I'm in actor, right? And and have been very blessed with amazing producing partners who can who handle that beautifully. Because I think like the producer part of my brain and the actor part of my brain are very very different parts, and particularly playing the lead. Like that's, that's a whole big thing in of itself. Yeah. I can't be like in that actor space trying to embody this human being and being worried about like, oh my God, we lost our location for next week. Like that, it would just, it would hurt the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's this really fun transition that happens from writer to actor around that same one month before production mark of like for years, I mean, scripts I, yeah, I take forever yeah it takes a long time you know yeah. rewriting and I, I rewrite like a maniac so you know so I've I go from like kind of being all of the characters in my head for years and like mm -hmm. existing in this space that is only in my head with all these people who are only in my head and then there comes this point where I have to get out of that headspace and into the body of one of those people and then get and then comes the really fun part where you get to walk onto a set as that person and suddenly this whole world and all these people that have only exist in your head suddenly other grown-ups are playing them with you <laughs> right that's awesome yeah well yeah. i'm curious what's once filming started were there any rewrites and who handled that no so uh, again i i rewrite like an crazy person <laughs> up until then so i rewrote bite me 45 times before we got to pre-production so my goal is that the script is so tightly honed well, at that point yeah. that so so the only script changes that really happen there then are once we get into rehearsals if mm. an actor if another actor is like you know what this line feels weird coming out of my mouth can i say it this way we deal with that great but that happens sort of in rehearsal and then gotcha. the only other thing that would come up is like if we like one time we did lose a location and so there was like a small rewrite that had to happen just to kind of adjust to the new location so i did that but but there's no like significant rewrites going on gotcha just like a little minor lines here and there gotcha yeah. gotcha another really strong thing for this film was the cast the, the cast is stellar all the way around you, you all had such great chemistry like i really felt like your, your two best friends. And I think another reason why Sarah feels so, and her two friends also feel so relatable is they're kind of being pulled in multiple directions because you have like the other vampires who are also kind of crazy. <laughs> you got the <laughs> mundanes who don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm curious what the casting process was like for this project. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The cast is like just, I, I love watching this movie just to watch all of them, you know? <laughs> so there were three roles that we wanted to get quote unquote name actors for so people that people would recognize which was faith james the, the male lead and chrissy my one best friend in the film and so for those we just had to put out offers to actors because you you like if you're a small indie film and they're more famous than you are you don't get to audition them yeah <laughs> um you just have to give them an offer and then they say yes or no so that's a little that's a little tricky, honestly, from a chemistry perspective, particularly with the male lead, because as we all know, in a romantic comedy, if there isn't chemistry between the two leads, you are sunk. Like it yeah. does not matter how good anything else is, the film doesn't work. <laughs> We've seen that so, happen. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And so normally you would do a screen test mm -hmm. to to make that assessment. 
but of course we couldn't do that because it was an offer only. So <laughs> I ended up in this weird situation where I, um, Christian Colson, who played the role, his agent let us have one meeting with him. So we couldn't audition him, but we could meet him once before, you know, the deal went through. And so it was determined that I needed to go, I needed to be the one to attend this meeting to kind of like covertly try to suss out whether or not we would have chemistry. <laughs> Just a very awkward thing to try right. to do. <laughs> but by the end, I was like, I think this is going to be okay. Um, and luckily, <laughs> I was right. And then, so that those, that was those characters. And then the other characters, we we were just casting actors. So we got to have auditions, which was so fun. And like the guy, uh, Antino, who plays Stoss, the uh, the king oh. of the vampires, my ex-husband, <laughs> who's amazing. <laughs> and we as we were doing the auditions, we suddenly had this moment of going, oh shit, like a major plot point is that this guy's a tattoo artist and mm. any tattoo artist worth their salt will have a lot of tattoos themselves. Right. right. We were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Because it's because, because my tattoo, like we at that point figured out how to do my t fake tattoo, but that was expensive enough itself. So there was no way that we could afford to do. And so Antino walked in with all of those actual tattoos, which are his real and tattoos. Like, ah. And we were like, please be a good actor, please. <laughs> and he was. There you go. That's great. Yeah. yeah, I loved your face tattoo. I thought that was really pretty. I, I'm usually not a big fan of face tattoos, but I was like, that's really pretty. I like that. I like it too. <laughs> Although it, the the Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson joke is in there because we had designed it without thinking about that, and then I walked out onto the street <laughs> out of the the test, and some guy goes, "Nice Tyson tat," and we were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I didn't think about that either until the joke happened, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's true." Even though I feel like yours is a little more feminine than his was. Yeah, so. yeah. it's not the same tattoo, but it's definitely reminiscent of. Yes. <laughs> um, were there any of the actors that you were particularly excited to work with going into the project? All of them. I mean, so Naomi Grossman, I'd actually who plays Chrissy, my best friend. I'd Love actually her. written that part with her in mind, and I didn't know her, but I just like she was the one who kept showing up in my head. So it was very exciting that she actually was willing to play it. Mm -hmm. um, and then Christian, I mean, I'm a giant mega Harry Potter nerd. So <laughs> for the first like week of production, every time I looked at him, I was just like, Tom Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't admit to him for years after. Um, <laughs> but that was personally exciting for me. That's great. I love that. So, okay. I love a good costume. And the costumes in this film were so fun, especially like the differences between the groups. Cause you had like the mundane people who were kind of in earthy tones, kind of bland. I hate to say bland cause that's rude, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you had like, <laughs> right. And then you had like the other vampires that were these like wild S&M like vampire <laughs> costumes. And then you had you guys that were kind of in the middle of the two. Yeah. And so I'm curious how that process works. I know you had a designer, which I love. I'm curious, like, did actors get to say, like, oh, I don't know if, that, if I would wear that or how'd that work? 
Yeah. So the costume designer has been my best friend since we were 13 years old. So I love every time somebody brings up how brilliant she is because she's so brilliant. And she's actually a filmmaker. She's not even primarily a costume designer. That's kind of like her side hustle. But um, she came into that and she just blew it out of the water. Like, as you say, the costumes are just insane. They're so fun. So, I mean, basically all credit goes to her for all of that. The the thing that we did together, because we're, we're, we're besties, when she started on the costume journey, she and I spent a lot of time going to thrift shops on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, <laughs> trying to find what Sarah was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we'd try on different things and I'd be like, that doesn't quite feel right in my body. And we'd go try something else on. And, and so we sort of assembled Sarah's outfit with these different set pieces. And I think, so kind of once that existed, then the whole world kind of grew out from there. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. For sure, for sure. That's great. Yeah, her costumes were so fun. And oh, I love when, when Sarah told him to wear a cloak to the <laughs> Oh, so great. I love it. I also love the part when they're in the little like paddle boats and she's just like sitting there like I'm not. Because <laughs> I would do the same thing. Like, why are you taking me here? This is I don't want to exercise. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Were there any fun uh backstage stories during filming? Any like secret stories you could let us know about? I mean, this isn't like dirt, but right. But the, um, so the big sequence at the end of the film, the, the IRS picnic where like the vampires come and there's the, you know, the whole, the whole climax of the film, we shot in Central Park in New York City. And the deal with filming in Central Park is that you can, it's pretty easy to get a permit and actually not that expensive, but you can't, you're not allowed to disrupt anyone else's experience of Central Park is the deal. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot there, but you can't like, unless you pay way more, you can't get people, you can't to leave. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll shoot on a Tuesday afternoon, which we're like, not that many people are going to be in Central Park on a Tuesday afternoon. What we hadn't realized is that the specific Tuesday we were shooting was the solar eclipse. And so everybody in Central Park to watch the solar eclipse. (laughs) And so it was like mobbed and everybody was so confused because we were dressed as vampires. Like I was wearing this S&M outfit. Everyone was like, is this for the eclipse? Like what is happening? (laughs) We're vampires, don't worry about it. I was like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Just look and watch the sun. (laughs) Yeah, I guess there was probably like a few minutes where you couldn't shoot because like- Yeah, well that was the other thing is we lost an hour in the middle of the day because the light was changing so much. That's crazy. That's fun, though. It <laughs> it's, was, those, it's those kind it of stories, though, that make yeah. you remember things. Right. Well, we have all these great photos of everybody in their vampire outfits with those funny, like, solar special solar eclipse glasses looking up. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I also have another question. Because, okay, secretly, and those who listen to the podcast know, I love trashy reality television. And so I love that there was that kind of element in this like the, the backstory with with Stas and had how he went on there to be like I'm a vampire and I, I, was that because I also see that happening in reality television where they'll have like these marginalized communities come on there to kind of be like the example but they're not always the like quote unquote correct mm-hmm. examples not that they're you know what I mean so was that intentional when you were writing like did that 
Yeah. Well, yeah. So that came partly because I noticed what you noticed of like that. But the other thing that that drives a lot of the movie is, as you say, the tension between the the House of Twilight vampires who are mm. my me and my roommates and then the sort of like Stas's vampires who are like very extreme. At the um, teeth and all that stuff. Thing. <laughs> and I and this is a very real dynamic in the the real vampire community of like that I noticed in these vlogs and other things of like every every group of vampires being like, well, like we're the real vampires, like we're the serious vampires. Those people are crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's like it was such a funny like it's it's just so funny how no matter how tiny your subculture is, there's always there's that thing going on right and like, who gets to represent it and just and there was i can't remember what the show was now i think it was called monster house or something it was like big brother but with alt people that was oh. a reality show and there was a vampire on that show and i just remember being like i bet the other vampires fucking hate this <laughs> just like oh my god what are you doing <laughs> you're ruining it for us you're ruining everything uh i'm curious have you been uh, since the film has kind of been released to audiences, have you had any vampires reach out to you? Oh, you yes. have. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, um, so we worked with some members of the community as we were making the film because we wanted to make sure we were getting things right. And but we met mo more vampires. So we, we before its digital release, which just happened, we took the film on tour. Actually, so we did a fifty-one screening, forty-city, three-month tour around the U.S. All right, so you were talking about vampires reaching yeah. out to you, and so yeah, that's awesome that they that, that you've had that reaction. Hello? Oh, oh you're hello. back. I'm back. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> this ice storm is killing my Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> I was as when that happened, I was like, I bet this is the ice storm. <laughs> yes. So okay, uh, my last question for you is: so one of the things that we're super passionate about here at, at Fear Street is minority-led film projects, women-led film projects. So do you have any advice out there for any young uh, women who are looking to get into the field, specifically as writers, producers, that kind of situation? Hello? Okay, so I think you're asking, do I have any advice for marginalized folks to who are trying to tell their stories? Yes, yes, specifically women. Okay. Yes, I do have that advice. <laughs> so I would say um, you have to find a way to tell your story, to get your stories told and get them to audiences. Because I think there's this thing that happens where like we understand that there is institutionalized sexism and racism. Oh, no. Oh, I'm back. You're back. We're back. Okay. I got institutionalized racism and sexism. That's where. Okay. So we, we understand that there is, we intellectually, we understand that there is institutionalized racism and sexism, right? Like we all know the numbers. We know they're horrible. But then when it comes down to an individual artist experience inside of that system, if we don't get chosen, we go, oh, well, it must not because of like, I just must not be good enough. It must not be because of me. But but and sometimes, of course, that's true. But most of the time, what's happening is that that is what institutionalized sexism and racism does is it says you're you're not good enough. Like this is the thing the studios do is like, well, we'd love to hire more women. Oh, but not that woman and not that woman. And not right. Right. <laughs> So do not give them the power to decide whether or not your story matters. Your story matters. 
And because of institutionalized sexism and racism and all the other isms, you will probably have to find ways around the system to get those stories told. So do not let them tell you that your story is not valuable. It is valuable. Find a way to tell it, find a way to get it to the audiences who want to hear about it and don't worry about them. I love that. I love that so much. And thank you so much for your time. I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties. No, no. It happens. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. So that is my interview with Naomi McDougall-Jones. I, again, apologize for the technical difficulties we had in the interview. Don't you just love a good ice storm in the South? <laughs> again, I would like to thank Naomi and everyone behind the film Bite Me for letting me experience this, this film. If you would like to, I highly recommend it, especially if you like rom romantic comedies and vampires and anything like that you can find this film on youtube voodoo apple tv and google play to rent again i highly recommend it thank you all so much for listening and as always make sure you stay fierce out there <laughs>